Whoa, they fired John Gruden. Holy shit. Wow. That's breaking news. I have no idea what you're talking about. So John Gruden's like a big time football coach. He won Super Bowl the Buccaneers in like the early 2000s and then he went into like the media part of it and then was given some like exorbitant contract to come back to the NFL and coach the Raiders. Mm. And he's been the coach for a few years and they're starting to play pretty well. And then some emails surfaced uh, of him saying some pretty first awful racist stuff um, about uh, a black um, administrator in the league. And then I guess apparently he uh, another email came out where he was being pretty disgusting with anti-gay language and it just came out that they fired him. Mm. No, no, uh, that was quick. That was a quick, quick and pointed response to, to someone as, um, high profile as right. him. I'm actually kind of glad to see such a swift move. So I don't have to hear about this bullshit for like the next, you know, yeah, <laughs> just get this, get the fucking asshole out of here. I don't know. You know, I agree with second chances and things like that, but like, I'm sorry if you're like 40, 50 year old man or woman who's writing emails to like other high level people saying this shit at that age, that's just the person you are, right? You're a douche. You're a douchebag. Like you're just a fucking douchebag. Yeah. Like, like you can't apologize for that. I was like, oh, I'm a 55 year old man who used this language and now I'm gonna, like, should have fucking known better by now. So, yeah. And there's Good types rinse. of, you know, there's types of douchebag that are tolerated as successful people. You can be a gr- an old grouch and an asshole and still keep your job. But yeah, if you're just going to be right. a hateful, right. racist fucking. Like Bill Belichick. Is, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to go have a beer with Bill Belichick. <laughs> right. Sounds terrible. <laughs> but like, yeah, but you know, keep your neck clean enough where, yeah, you can just be an asshole. <laughs> Same in music, right? Like, uh, how many times have you seen someone who's just, you know, socially semi awful or business wise semi awful who kind of just get by on sheer talent, you know? Like, people will, uh, you know, buckle and bend to those people and their will if they're, uh, if they got the hits, if they come in <laughs> with the songs, the hit songs. It's true. Well, it was nice to have Chris McLean on the program. What? I, this is one of those shows where uh-huh. you can just kind of like listen to his voice and get into like a vibe. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. And Maybe that's why reasons. I don't talk so much of this one. <laughs> yeah. No, Chris is like. Like I said, I I think I said it towards the end when when Chris was telling me he had imposter complex, you know, like I've always found his his views on things, where he's from, uh, the way he shaped his life. It's always been really unique and interesting. And then he's got a ton of charisma and personality. I was like hoping to talk to him. So, you know, we didn't get into it too much in the interview. Um, but for a background on how you know, close I am with, with Chris and his band, you know, 
my, me and my best friend, Matt Levitin did shows at the, the Manville Elks Lodge in New Jersey. And that was like kind of our spot. Matt had lived in South Carolina prior to coming up and had known about Stretch Armstrong, you know, way before most people in New Jersey did. We literally might have been the first two New Jersey Stretch Armstrong fans. <laughs> and we started booking them at Manville and they would come up. And since they're Matt's buddies, like like we mentioned in there, they, you know, we'd stay at his apartment, we'd help him out, we'd always go to the uh time to eat diner for golden brown pancakes after the gigs. You know, it was, it was it was a lot of fun. And we had a nice relationship. And Matt and I were just giant mega fans of the band. We just thought they were awesome too. You right. know, so that helped. And then uh, you know, when I was you know, 17 going on 18 and Matt was 20 or 21. He moved back down to South Carolina. He was living with these guys, you know, traveling with the stretch guys. And then, uh, that November, November 98, Matt and one of the members of stretch and some other people got in a very serious car accident coming back from a show. And, you know, my best friend, Matt was paralyzed. Um, and it was like, an extremely serious situation that like all of us were super close to, you know, uh, Matt almost died. Um, and he's still, you know, living today as, um, quadriplegic, uh, but still, you know, one of my best friends and still really close to Chris and Dave and those guys from South Carolina. So, you know, even on the stretch Armstrong record rituals of life, you know, there's a song about Matt on there and, um, so there's always just been this, you know, you know, me, me and Stretch Armstrong have a, a, a unifying been, tie for the rest of my life. Been you know? through some shit. Yeah, we've been through some shit for <laughs> sure, for sure. But that being, you know, a lot of people have come and gone in that situation, you know, like, like, uh, I've seen a lot of people come into Matt's world, leave Matt's world, people who were close to it when it first happened, but you know, when, other people, you know, when your own life starts taking over, you lose focus of other people. And, uh, you know, those guys have consistently been there and been in Matt's life and staying around and just good fucking people, you know, like you can tell when people are good, when you're actually put through the ringer and they have a hard decision to make. And right. that's when you can really tell the gumption of people and what their will is and, and you know. Chris has always been right in the up and up with that. So Sweet. I got nothing but love for him as an individual. And then Stretch is just always such a great band. Like, you know, <laughs> always kept it perfectly good, solid, melodic, hardcore, like one of the better live bands you could see. Um, always a great vibe, great to be around. So, so cool that they reunited for Furnace Fest and kind of back on the map. I hope they can convince those boys to do a little more. Yeah. Had a blast talking with Chris. That's the uh, bummer background of it. The uh, interview is much more fun than that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Anything else, Brad, to add? I'd say let's listen to it. All right. Play listen the to train. the soothing voice, Chris. I know. Me <laughs> melodious. Melodious Southern voice. He should be the next like KFC spokesperson. Let's get into it. It's going on. 
<laughs> got to go to bed soon. Three questions. It's a great thing you got. You got uh, in-house tech support there. Yeah, I got a 15-year-old. That's right. My 20-year-old's at college. My 15-year-old's here. It's good, man. Brilliant. Is uh, Does that sort of thing come up often where they're your... Uh, Gosh, all the con- time. Conduit to, to yes. the modern technology and things <laughs> of this nature. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really bad. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Like, I've never ordered anything on Amazon before, wow. and people are just like, "What? You're no way!" I'm like, "Dude, I'm totally serious. Just don't." That is impressive. No, it's just I don't know, man. It's probably sad, but I just haven't. I'm impressed. <laughs> I don't know that I would know how. And my wife, my wife put the app on my phone. So, uh, you know, and, and then I was like, can you show me how to take the app off the phone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you got to, I'd, I'd assume you have to incorporate some level of technology just for your work, right? Yeah, I can turn my computer on answer emails. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, You're no, still I just do. on email I, level. <laughs> yeah, I'm an I'm a email whiz, but anything beyond that's a lot of trouble. You've had to do some Zooms the last year and a half. A lot of Zooms. And that was Zooms. Yeah. Now we do these Teams calls. So it was like I was getting comfortable with Zoom and then we switched over to uh, Microsoft uh, Teams calls. Yeah. Someone invited me to that shit last night and I went to, to, Join and there was no video. Yeah, well, you can you can do yeah you can turn your camera off or not. But no, I'm good with that. I don't mind that. And it was kind of nice during the pandemic. You know, when you weren't seeing anybody, uh, I thought it was cool eh, just to see everybody say what up. So what was um you know speaking of which when it first started slowing down, what what was that like for you? I mean, what were you working on? Uh, moving shows to 22 or the end of this year. It was like yeah, a puzzle right. piece, man, just moving them around. Uh, I was walking my dog about nine times a day. <laughs> I was running, um, checking emails, you know, getting my house and my yard squared away. Yeah, because so. even though, I mean, you're not touring with Stretch, I mean, you do quite a bit of traveling too involved with work right Just yeah all so I, yeah i work for aeg so we i cover the carolinas part of georgia and you know part of alabama is our territory um so yeah you know i'm traveling certainly not like a band dude yeah but yeah. um yeah I was but still, still you're not travel. accustomed to sitting at home all day no day. heck no i think it drives <laughs> my wife crazy if i'm home for too long <laughs> that that's the uh that's the um the magic of the 24 year marriage right mm-hmm. Yeah, a little time at home, a little time away, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Twenty four years. Long wow. time, man. Long Next time. year going for the big two five. No, oh, we'll see. Too early to tell. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> see, that's so, how it lasted so long. You gotta keep yeah. it tenuous, right? Keep yeah. them on their toes all the time. Don't wanna jinx it. Yeah, don't wanna jinx it. <laughs> no, it's great, man. She's the best. She's the <laughs> so, best. So you're most of your like kind of coping stuff through the last year and a half has been kind of exercise based, just making yeah. sure that you get yourself moving. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know what, I, there was a part of me and this was, you know, several months ago we were talking and I'm fully aware a lot of people had it really, really bad during the pandemic. And so I don't want to come off as, you know, being out of touch with that. But like sure. from, from my situation, I mean, you know, early on, uh, my daughter was home from college. So that right. was like a nice treat. My boy was home doing school here. My wife was teaching from home. Right. So we were all four together. We did a lot of cooking, a lot of Netflix, a lot of going outside. 
And it's, you know, I sound like a jerk for saying that, man, but the pandemic for us was like, it was, it was really pretty good, man. You know, <laughs> I was awesome. still employed. Yeah. Right. So yeah, again, maybe we edit this out later, but no, um, no, no, actually you're, you're kind of spinning. You're not the first person who's mentioned this in the last year and a half of doing these since COVID. I think yeah. a lot of people found, you know, just, uh, a lot of value in this simple fact of almost just having a pause button, you know, right. the, the idea that you, you have this strange chance to kind of step back from your life and reflect on things, which like not given that circumstance just wouldn't happen, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, with no shows, it was like, I didn't have to worry about my phone ringing all the time or something right. popping off that, so like once I settled into that mode of, okay, it's going to be like this for a little while, um, it was really pretty good. There was someone said that like they missed the pandemic phase when the Tiger King was like big and funny because it was like, <laughs> ah, this this pandemic thing, you know, we'll be done with this in a couple of weeks. Right, Tiger King's right. funny. We got right? Tiger King. Yeah. Oh my God. I totally forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. That was like yeah. that was first the couple of, weeks of pandemic yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. This Fuck. is great, man. We'll order some food. We'll watch this crazy show and like right. we'll be back to work in a couple of weeks. Exactly. And, yeah. And then it was just like, dang, you know, 14 months, whatever. Yeah. So then we're yeah. a year later. We realized Tiger oh. King was a piece of shit the yeah, whole time. We, didn't, we never even wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I think they're, aren't they doing a sequel or something? Like, oh, I, I, I hope not. That, that whole, that, that thing really disturbed me. I didn't bad. enjoy it nearly as much as other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, that was that was like the pan the the top of the pandemic phase where it was like, oh, this is kind of fun, exciting. And yeah. yeah, not so much. <laughs> wow, I forgot about the Tiger King yeah. entrance. No, yeah, that's no hilarious. So yeah, so you know that that my experience was was different than a lot of people, and and so like I said, on the one hand, it was great being around my 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 family and being here, but. I realized that was not everyone's experience. Of course. And now you're just cruising around. How You got full full slate of shows. Oh, like, dude. It's so busy. Yeah, it's so busy. So yeah, are, you, are you literally like putting together shows now that were like, what, what are most artists doing at this point? I mean, are most people really just like, all right, fuck it. Like the tour from a year and a half ago, that record, we're done. Or are people really trying to still grind on those same shows? Yeah, some people are. So like, wow. you know, uh, our touring department, just the Stones just played off in Charlotte, right? And that thing had been pushed and pushed, but they played it out the end of September. And then so there's that level of band that's like right. going out and doing outdoor stadium stuff. And then there's some artists that size that are like, you know what, we're going to punt the 22. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to place our bets on that. But then like in the club world, there's bands just still grinding it out, man. And yeah. so there's a lot of COVID protocol in place. You know, there's a lot of focus on not only keeping the artists safe, but also back a house and yeah. keeping all those folks safe, you know, and, and, and uh, healthy so that we can, you know, keep doing this thing that's so important for so many people, man. A lot of bands still on the road. How have you found like the state of South Carolina is, is in as far as COVID and their, you know, accessibility for communication? I'm sure the people at your company have kind of like a direct line or more of a direct line <laughs> to some of this information, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the South Carolina approach and then the approach that we're getting from L.A. or could not be any more different. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you, you spend enough time in the South, like 
this pandemic thing, is it even real? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. What you doing wearing a mask, boy? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, South Carolina's approach has been real, real slow to respond, slow to jump on, um, let the parents decide if the kids should wear the mask. And right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's been, it's a, been a bit of a frustration for sure. Sure. And is that is that mostly business or personal or both? Well, I think it's just in you know uh, deeply layered within the fabric of the state, dating back you know hundreds of years. Where mm-hmm. let us decide. You don't tell us what to do. Let the people decide. And then you know, so you get all that in there too. And you can't tell me what to do. Mm. You know, so you got a lot of that going on too. Yeah, kind of, I guess, really inherent in the fabric of not only the state but the city, yes. isn't it? One hundred percent. I mean, it's like you don't tell us what to do, hmm. and that's. I mean, it's a big part of the state, man. You know, but it's a big it's part of the history too. So it certainly doesn't stop. You know, when something like this breaks out, you know. See that being said, you know, it's it's an interesting, I guess. Uh, philosophical thing because if you took it from the outside i would think that that sort of um mindset would lend itself to kind of like more subversive behavior you know what i mean like 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 oh let's be punks let's be hardcore kids let's decide for ourselves let's like create our own path and really like i can only pinpoint what you guys (laughs) and self yeah. And uh, maybe Hootie and the Blowfish is the only <laughs> artists I ever knew from Columbia. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So why, like, why is it disconnected? Why can't people take that energy into into that realm instead of the other side? Because it was the one side who was telling them to do it, and obviously the state has historically always been a red mm, state, right? So they're going to push back. You know, if it's if you know, they're just going to push back because that team said it was this. Sure. So if sure. that if that team says it, then. We certainly can't uh, go along with that, you know. Ah, it's frustration, man. Well, I mean, you were you were in high school there, what in like the late eighties, right? Yes, sir. So, I mean, when you're what what year or like what age did you start getting into punk, hardcore, skating, like the whole kind of alternative world? My brother took me to a Black Flag show in 1984. Whoa! And I was 12. Wow, NSC? So, yeah, Rockefellers. No and shit. And so, black flag in '84 in Columbia. That must yeah. Have been it was scene. it was scary, wow. man. I mean, yeah. I was 12, so I, you know, you know, I was scared. Um, and I don't say that just to so you think I'm old and super punk, but like <laughs> there was a lot of that stuff coming through. He was into punk rock, so he would take me to that stuff. And like you know, my parents are still married, and they're like good parents, and but why they let us go to that stuff, I have <laughs> no idea. Uh, <laughs> no idea. I think about it now because my my boy is the age that we were going to shows. They right. would go and drop us off. <laughs> and then either come back and get us or we'd get a ride home. I don't know why they thought that was okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it panned out, right? Like, maybe look at they me had, now. Yeah, it was perfect. That's great. Maybe, maybe they had an inkling that uh, maybe if they didn't drop you off, it could have been worse. You know? Yeah, I guess so. And, and you know, it was funny. My my brother, um, you know, he was 
pretty bad into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff. So we would get to the show then he would find a way to, you know, get himself warmed up for the show. <laughs> and uh, so right. I would be there just, you know, hanging cause I didn't do that stuff. And then, you know, by the time the show would go, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, well on his way. Sure. Um, but we saw a lot of stuff that way, man. So it was early for me. I got, I got into it pretty early and it was all because of my, my middle, well, I got two older brothers, but it was my middle older brother that, that got me into all this. All well, I think, it. I think I met, we, we hung out last you time did. I was in Columbia, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. 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 Uh, yeah. And he was um, in Columbia and then also he would load your shows at the music farm. He would, That's he right. would work it. Yeah. He yeah. would work for me as a stagehand. Yes. Yeah. Now, what did you like? What kind of kept you from going down the route of like with your brother? Like, he must have been a big influence on you Real in so big many influence. other ways. Like, what, yeah, what gave you the wherewithal to kind of, you know, kind of s- stay away from that? I, I don't know, man. You know, I, 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 people have asked me that a lot, but like, I, I remember this distinctly. Like, we would go to the record store, right? And he would buy like GBH, the exploited. Um, SNFU, like those were his albums. And then I was looking for like Youth of the Day, Uniform mm. Choice, uh, Unity, like all those straight edge bands. And then obviously like Minor Threat, you know, we, we got exposed to that early. And, you know, I don't know, man, what he was doing was kind of like, it scared me a little bit. And then I mm. found these other bands that were singing about not doing all that stuff. And then I was like, right. okay, like these guys are singing about stuff that, I'm do I'm already not doing drugs and drinking and you know fooling around and stuff like that and it just spoke to me man and it just mm. seems I'm 48 now right so it just seems silly think but that still plays in my head now and, and and yeah so he was getting into the real super punk stuff and I was getting into I mean all the straight edge bands yeah I mean I guess it's it's funny how that pans out because maybe yeah. it's just the uh you know, the aggression and the speed of the music in Absolutely. general that brings people in. But then, you know, you kind of find your own messaging inside of it, right? Because I was never yeah. straight edge, but I was much more attracted to the stuff you were, uh, you know, than, you know, in my area, like the real sure. tough guy, kind of dangerous. New and York there was a lot of that. Your, yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, sure. It was scary as fuck. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I remember we'd play those shows that you would do. And like, we knew we were a long way from home, right? right Not just geographically, right, right. but like, yeah. yo, we are a long way from home. Cause like, it, you know, I don't know what Manville's proximity is to the city, but it's relatively close, yeah, right? About 30 minutes. Yeah. So we would come up there and play with those bands and we'd be like, yo, this is like rad, but also <laughs> kind of scary. But we know Benny and Matt, and they're yeah. like 15 and 17, right. so yeah. we're totally cool. So you're good. You got back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that kid whose voice hasn't changed yet. Yeah. Then, what, yeah. Could, what could possibly go wrong? We, we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, took, we took care of you. Yeah, always, always. But I just remember feeling that way even then, like, yeah. you know, just that's And we were always cool with a lot of those heavy your bands and yes. those New York like Always. for whatever reason we just you know you gelled with those guys man I feel like you, yeah you, you you all kind of had a just socially you all were really good you know yeah, I think so yeah I think we, so too I mean we you were never, always real grateful man like gratitude was always our thing and never really it never 
uh, left us that like we were doing something really cool with other people that we knew a lot of bands weren't getting a chance to do or the travel sure. we were getting. It was like a big deal, man. You know, yeah, yeah. it was a big deal. The travel back then, it was a big deal playing those shows, you know. And then look, you think about the first time we met you and now here we are <laughs> 20 years later. More, yeah. More than more. 20. It's pretty yeah. amazing, man. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I think that first trip up there was like 1998. Oh, probably even earlier, I think. 97? I don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe, maybe 97. Because right. I was still in high school when you, when we first did a it show would, with you all. It was, yeah, it was probably 97. Makes 97. Sense. I know it was yeah. the summer of 1997. Wow. And yeah. So here we are. It's crazy, man. I was, yeah, I was 16 when I met you. There you um, go. So I want to go back though a little because one of the fascinating things, you know, I'm completely fascinated with your childhood and the South in general. Sure. Um, yep. You know, like, and, yeah. And you're like my one of my singular windows into this because <laughs> of the legitimate nature of your Southern upbringing. Sure. So, so like, you know, at the time, like I'm imagining 1984, Columbia, South Carolina, black flag. Mm-hmm. Like I read the black flag book. Yep. I know what was happening around this country at that time. Yeah. So what was like, what was the local reaction to stuff like that? Like well, what was he, in, going on? Yeah. In his book, um, get in the van. He talks about one of the clubs that was before my time, um, you know, having problems when they came out of the venue. So at that time, you know, like rednecks always like if, you know, and there's that there's that social distortion album where it's the live album and Mike Ness says, you know, when punk rock was dangerous, right? And you couldn't mm. walk around town with mohawks. Like it just was you would get targeted. Right. And so my brother, who was like much more punk rock than me, because I kind of leaned leaned into like the hardcore look a little bit more. Right. Um, but yeah, man, you never know. Like, you know, we'd go to the mall or we'd like go up, you know, go downtown and my parents would drop us off and we'd walk around and, you know, and people would say stuff or, you know, if somebody was wanting to pick on these two punk rock kids, like it, it wasn't like a lot of other major cities, but we were so small that mm. people were just kind of floored by what they were seeing. Right. But as things moved on, like we had a pretty good punk scene. Like, yeah, there yeah. were a lot of shows, man. And there were a lot of bands. Like I saw a lot of really good bands that came through my town, like Verbal Assault, Youth of the Day, MDC, mm-hmm. um, uh, Gang Green. I mean, Green Day, you know, before the Dookie album came out. Like, yeah, sure. we, I mean, Bad Religion, Pennywise, No Effects, uh, Sick of It All, like, there was this 400 cap club, like Fugazi would play there. Like it was, it was our spot. And I think back now we had a lot of really good stuff coming through there, man. And obviously that was, you know, early nineties, but it was a lot of good stuff. So it's like the size of the scene and like how vibrant it was almost left you not so isolated. It, it, it got, it got that way. Right. Because yeah. it started off, it just felt like there was a few of us and then we would go to shows and there were, 400 of us, you know, or 300 or whatever. Um, And then I started seeing kids that I'd never seen before. And I mean, I still have friends now that I met from going to shows, which I just, that's always like the coolest thing, man. Right, right. It was like, uh, you know, were, I know it wasn't so much for you because, you you know, you had a pretty good family and stuff, but was, 
a lot of the people who were kind of into the scene at the time was there sort of a a counter reaction to southern values christian values was yeah. that like part of yeah, the yeah. scene yeah it, it was and and there and like i knew a lot of kids that would come to shows and stuff that like had terrible home lives right right and they a lot of drugs a lot of stuff at home and i just that just wasn't my you know my parents it was fine at home, right? I mean, you know, typical parent, teenager type stuff, but yeah, like sure. that just wasn't my reality. Right. But yeah, there were like, there was, you know, like a band like Anti-Schism, you know, they were a a band or and then they became like Initial State or something, but they were one of those early, they weren't a crust punk band, but it was, um, they were, you know, like anti-religion, anti-establishment. And it was like just really, really good punk rock, hardcore that was, you know, coming out of Columbia, South Carolina. And I remember thinking like, this is definitely different than the way I was brought up or what they're singing about talking. And we were friends with those guys. Right. But it was a definite change and different direction from, you know, the way I was brought up, which obviously punk rock is. Um, mm. But that that was always the thing that I, um, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but I, you know, I had a good home life and a lot of friends of mine and a lot of punks, hardcore kids, I knew they didn't. And so I think a lot of what they were doing was because of what was going on at home. I mean, I had a lot of support. There was always food in the refrigerator. We weren't wealthy, but there was food in the refrigerator. We had a skateboard ramp out back. I always had clean clothes. Yeah, it was just. What kind of, uh, what kind of work were your parents in? Uh, my dad was a banker and my mom worked at the hospital. So they were always uh-huh. gone, right? They were always right. gone. My brothers and I were by ourselves from about, if you know, during the summer, we were by ourselves from like eight in the morning to like five that night. Okay. Straight latchkey kids, kindergarten. I rode my bike to school. My brother was in second grade. My older brother was probably in middle school by then, or he definitely was. Um, so, I mean, we were latchkey kids. So we were always by ourselves. Huh. So we just were doing all kinds of things by ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, good and bad, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you started playing bass guitar first, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so my so my brother and I we bought a drum set and we bought a bass and a guitar because we figured, okay, we can try to do our own band. So we would play together. And then if we had people that would come over, well, we had a bass, we had a guitar and we had a drum set. And yeah, so we just, I mean, I can't play bass, you know, I can play bass as poorly as I play guitar, but I could, (laughs) you know, I could find the notes and figure it out. And then, you know, drums. um, And my boy plays drums now. He's a, a, he's a left-handed drummer, but he he plays his open-handed on a right-hand kit. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you do. Come on. Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, we just we got the instruments because we wanted to like you know try to be a band, man. Yeah, so started to a band. That's where it came from. It's so cool how like uh, you you and your bro really seemed like it was kind of uh, in cahoots. Sort of did everything we were, together in those days. We yeah, were. It's awesome. Because we slept in the same. <laughs> we slept in the same room. Like, in each of us had a bedroom. My older brother had a bedroom downstairs, but we slept in the same room for. Like all through our teenage year, I tell you, when he started getting really bad into drugs is when yeah. he wanted his own spot. Yeah. Oh, right. And we were always together, man. I mean, like at the hip, we were always together. I mean, I can imagine when you're really into drugs, 
You know, hey, the last thing brother. you want around is your like <laughs> chirpy, straight edge little brother. You know, <laughs> yeah, chirpy. <Annoying>. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here! Well, I'm gonna tell mom. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I that was us. The minor threat right now. No, that was yeah. it, man. Yeah, but you know, the funny thing is, is like whenever his friends would try to get me to do some of that stuff, yeah, he wasn't having it. Oh, all right. So protected Not you from it too. Very much so. Wow, very much. So. It's I don't know. Never. Never I mean, did he ever yeah. try to get me to do that stuff. Just because you get into it doesn't mean you think it's positive, right? Exactly. And I yeah. think he was, um, there, yeah, there's some issues there that I think he was working through. And that's, sure. what he, that's what he was using to cope with it. So what was the uh, process of jamming in the basement to, to get in like stretch formed? Uh, well... So I went off to school. I went to a military college, which right. uh, yeah, you and I have talked about. And so yeah. the other guys had started a band. Um, they were, some of them were in college. Some of them were just working. And I mean, we were all like, you know, hardcore kids, man. And bands were coming through. I mean, Stretch Armstrong's first real show was with no effects and lag wagon on that um, sold Whoa. out tour. Wow. Yeah. Not yeah. Bad. And then like Pennywise would come through with bad religion and then they would get them to open. Sick huh. of it all, strife would come through, they would get them to open. Yeah, yeah. And then when I got home from college, they had asked me to join. They needed a bass player because the bass player wanted to move to just doing vocals. And then the 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 singer, Matt, um, you know, he was getting married and he he didn't want to do the traveling thing, and the band was just a hobby. And we were like, Well, we we want to do more than a hobby. We we think we could go to New Jersey and play the Manville Elks Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what we did, man. And so that's yeah. just where it started. And then, you know, we were like, well, we can go here for the weekend or we can go, you know, do all this stuff. That's where it all started, man. Let's just yeah. go, tra- let's go play these places. These people responded. I tell you what, Jamie Josta. So Scott went to, I think it was like the new Bedford festival. Like when they were oh, doing those yeah. festivals in Pennsylvania. That. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Scott went up there. He got a flyer from Jamie Josta. And I, I remember the phone number and I remember the phone number in my head and I won't say it because I think it's still his dad's phone number. Um, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all, all, all my flyers were my mom's number. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. And we would call your mom and try to get directions. Benny, yeah. are you there? Yeah. So um, <laughs> Jamie Josta had a flyer that Scott brought back with him. And it was like, if you want to play New England, give me a call. Oh shit. So, yo, so we called him. Ah. This this was our first trip to New England. I didn't even know you could I didn't know you could get from South Carolina to New York in a 12-hour drive. I just had no concept <laughs> of what that was like, yeah, right? Right. So our first three shows, we played in so Columbia, South Carolina, we drove to Providence, Rhode Island to play the Living Room. Mm-hmm. And the show was with Split Lip, Texas wow. is a reason. Oh, Samuel yeah. and like Colossus of Colossus the Fall. Colossus of the Fall. I remember yeah. the tour. I saw it yeah, in New dude. Jersey. Yeah. So we, Handy Street. <laughs> yep. So we played at the living room. The next show we played in Mass, Worcester, Massachusetts, with Zach from Bain's band, Barrett. Oh. And fuck, then yeah. the next show was in Connecticut with Hatebreed. There was one microphone for five bands, and Jamie said, <laughs> Don't break the microphone. Don't break the mic. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm, I, I, I'm not. I, I will promise. I'll do my best not to break this microphone. It was a lot of pressure, man. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just happens. Yo, but I'm saying that was a phone call, and he set all that up. I mean, and like, yeah. and I will always love 
those dudes, um, I know they've gone through lineup changes, but I love, you know, I love them. Jamie and, uh, Chris Beatty just from way back. I mean, they, he was a teenager then, you know, when that all yeah. started. He was, a li- yeah. I mean, he's a little bit older than you. But just but, like um, a hustler. He was like a hustler from the start. Hustler, right? Like, just dude. always had something going, right? Yeah. I remember, I think it's okay to tell this story. So we would stay at his dad's place. Mm-hmm. And they had a they had a swimming pool in the backyard, and so like we would hop. That was like a shower, right? We'd get in there and like Perfect, you know rinse, yeah. it, not soap up, but just get in the pool, cool off, whatever. Sure. So we would stay downstairs, and I'll never forget. And I'm not going to say the name of the band, but we stayed downstairs. There was a metal band that stayed upstairs. Okay. And I remember walking into the house, and there were all these like Reebok white high tops that were like. <laughs> outside because we didn't want to wear the shoes into the house. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So we saw all these Reebok, like white high tops and they dudes like all black, long hair. And then I remember them saying, yo, are you guys strife? And we're like, <laughs> 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 but I think that was like the one hardcore band. Maybe they knew, you know, right. Right. But you guys know, look straight edge. Yeah. yeah they, that must be strife. Um, but I know. <laughs> and then Jamie's dad would make us uh bread. They had like a bread maker. Ooh. But that was a big deal, man. Something to eat. Dude, a and swimming a, pool and, and like a place to hot, sleep. fresh bread. And yes, a, yeah. dude. In that the was 90s. Rad. Yeah, that was like the Ritz. And he amazing. didn't know us. Dude, he didn't know us from Adam. But we just yeah. were like, yo, we want shows. And then like he let us stay. But that, as you know, that was like how it worked with bands. And so yeah. then when bands would come through and, you know, they would stay at our house. Yeah, and I'm sure you sorted them out in Columbia, right? Like, absolutely, man. Show at New Brooklyn Tavern. Yeah, back to our house for punk rock pasta. Yep. Everybody spread out, you know. Yeah. Stayed, and that was me and Scott, and you know, another guy. Yeah, you guys there. had the whole crew down there. That was that was very welcoming. Yeah, actually, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's uh, just how it was. It's like you trade out shows. Yeah. You stay at people's places. Like that was, that's how we did for a long time, man. I mean, I remember when we transitioned from staying at people's houses to like one hotel room. Right. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah. Big deal. And I even remember when we would get so, you know, we would go two hotel rooms. That was, oh, big, that was, that was big the deal. peak. Peak yeah. Stretch Armstrong with two yeah, hotel the, rooms. Yeah. The dudes who wanted to party and then like the two of us that didn't want to party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that I feel like that leap to the two hotel rooms is like it's Sell like outs. the leap almost like the leap from a van to a bus. Like for us, for sure. I, I mean, mean once you're, that leap. Yeah, was, once you're going two hotel rooms, you should actually start considering a bus cuz that's yeah, when it right. actually starts to like make more sense if if you're spending X amount of dollars on staying every night and you can sleep yeah. on a bus. That's when the money starts kind of justifying itself. Yeah. And that was such a foreign concept because this would have been before like any sort of guarantee or anything. Um, but no, I mean, for sure. Like we never, we never, we never toured in a bus. I think there was one or two tours where we considered it and then we were like, what are we doing? We can't. Like I was married. I had a kid. One of the other guys was married, but nobody else was at that time. So it was like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll do it this way. Van and trailer, one hotel room, two hotel rooms occasionally. Um, but I remember we did, a, we did a Pennywise tour. And one of the Pennywise guys says, you know, the guys in the van want to be in the bus. The guys in the bus want to be in two buses. 
<laughs> and the guys in two buses want to fly to the shows and stay in hotels. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. true, and it was very wise. And now I'm sure you're dealing with like hundred bus productions. Yeah. Oh, I see it now. Oh, yeah. We, I see it all the time from these bands that like you know the dudes in the band they don't see each other till they hit the stage, right? right? Yes, that's right. But you, I mean, you know, it's whatever it takes to get on the stage and do the show, and that's. I'm sure they spent their time, you know, grinding it out in the early days before my time. But I maybe. see it all. I see it all the time. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Some of them don't. Inst- I mean, yeah, TikTok success. I get it. The, the story of Stretch is always interesting to me because it, it's not like you're like, all right, I'm 18, I'm out of school, like, what, yeah. like we're going for it. It was almost like you, you all, sort of set up the basis for your life and then left. Exactly. Like you, got, you guys went to school, you got married, you started yep. doing the thing. And yep. then we're like, let's go. Do you yeah. think a lot like of bad decisions? It, you know, in hindsight, like, you know, how much did that I know you might not have had the opportunity to do stretch prior to that, but but do you think that pulled maybe pulled stretch back at all? Like when you were trying to go full force? Yeah, I think so, right? Because like early on we were all working. I mean, I was teaching, David was teaching, the other guys had jobs. So we'd like, you know, fly to California for a long weekend. We'd fly to Puerto Rico for a long weekend. Uh, we would, we would travel and go play the Midwest for a long weekend. So for a long time, um, people thought we were a full-time band when we were just like weekend warriors. Right. And I remember, um, we got offered the Honda Civic tour in 2003 uh, Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory right. called me, offered us the tour, and it was Newfound and Good Charlotte. Hmm. And then MXPX and Lesson Jake were alternating. It was like a month of Lesson Jake, a month of MXPX. So it's like massive, cushy tour. It was the only tour we ever did where you could see the arena from the highway. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it was huge. We played Red Rocks, played these arena. I mean, it was... It was big, man. Like yeah. it was something we had never done before. Like, you know, we're in a van and trailer. Everybody else was in multiple buses. There's a couple trucks. I mean, it was it was big, man. 2003, and um, you know, we'd pull in. You know, they would dump our trailer, and then there was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All those things that just we right. had never experienced before. But that was a big deal, you know. And that was that was a cool experience. So when we got offered that tour in 2003. We were like, you know what? We should we should give this a go, right? And we did, you know. And that's and, when that's when you all decided to stop stop teaching. And, yeah, and we and stopped actually, working and did the band full time for 2003, probably for the next seven, eight years, I think. Oh wow! I didn't seven years. Yeah, you know what, man? Long. Hold on, yeah. hold on. 2006. That's probably not right. It was probably like five or six years. Yeah, that's right. Now I found an old. An old punk news interview Uh-oh. with you, yep. you know, where, you know, the question was, it's almost surreal. You think you've been at this for 10 years, a decade now. Yeah. Your answer was, yeah, I don't know if it's surreal or just kind of like a nightmare is the best word for it. I've been doing this a long time. We've been doing yeah. this, this level intensity. That's so, funny. I mean, it seems like, um, it seems like there was always kind of like, uh, like a pushback, like it was always a little tough for you guys when you went when you went full on. Like, did yeah, you kind of find yeah. that maybe once you got out there, it wasn't exactly like 
the life you wanted, even though the band was doing great? Yeah. And the band wasn't doing great. Um, so it was like, you know, when you're hitting those weekends and you come back to a full-time job, well, that's fun. That's cool. I'm kind of tired on Monday, but, uh, you know, I get my paycheck, you know, twice a month and I got my insurance and paying my mortgage payment on time. And this is fun. Um, and then when you stop doing that and you go full time, like, you know, for every Honda Civic tour, there's a Tuesday night in, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. Monday night in Oklahoma City. Sure. Not taking nothing away from those towns, but for a band like us, you know. Tough, uh, tough rock towns. Tough, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then so for us, like, you know, we would, and we had, I mean, we definitely had some good spots. Like there were some cities that were really, really good for us. But when I say really, really good, like 500 people, 600 people, California was like better and bigger. You know, the East coast was always pretty strong for us, but you know, man. So for me being married with a, a baby, my situation was different than the other guys. Right. Right. Because they came home and they had a, you know, for those times, a pretty good chunk of cash in their, in their pocket. But I was coming home and going right back to some crummy job. Mm. Um, and I'll never, <laughs> this is funny as sad as it is. I was working at the world famous new Brooklyn tavern. Right. So when I would come home, I would work there, work the door, or I would deliver food for Moe's burritos when that was like a new concept. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm taking the trash out to the dumpster there's this dude who's completely obliterated. He's like, yo, Chris, is that you? I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? You okay? He goes, dude, stretch Armstrong, man. Just totally living your dream. I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> What a dream it is. <laughs> fucking dick. Oh, but he was like being totally complimentary. Like, here I am right. at New Brooklyn Tavern by the dumpster. And here's Chris from Stretch Armstrong. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Oh my. But you know. So was that was that a real like was that kind of a one of those you would think is an innocuous sort of moment in your life that turned out to be a really serious one in a way. Well, yeah. And then like you know, other dudes in the band start quitting because they're trying to move on with their lives or their relationships, you know, are, are changing. And so me, David, and John, you know, we we stayed through. And and I don't say that I'm not disparaging anyone because everyone had to make decisions that were best sure. for themselves. And I think we made decisions that were ultimately to our detriment in a way, because it was like, well, if we get this tour, that'll change. Mm-hmm. Once we record that album, then this is definitely going to pop off. And we've been at right, this for right. this long. We can't quit now. And, you know, man, it's just like, a, you know, it's hard to get out of that. Uh, that cycle of thinking sure. and touring and our mindset was like tour 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 don't stay home go back to europe go to japan right. go back get a support tour where well, the support money's not that great so that means we got a headline even longer mm-hmm. on our own yeah yeah you know and you i mean you put you, yourself into the machine like, yeah and i mean okay so then you look at that you know with the band you know you were in i mean you were in a big band and, and, and it's it's all relative right like the cycle for a big band, small band, there's a lot of nuances that are very similar. Yeah. And so for us, van and trailer grinding it out, it just wasn't working, man. You know, just yeah. less people come into the shows and then it's like, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. And it's, you know, we it, it felt like increasingly, increasingly more like a young man's game. 
Oh, you know, it is. <laughs> and, and we're just not, you know, young woman's game, young man's game. And we just yeah. were not. Yeah, and peeling, so, peeling your ass out of a van at a certain age when there's people waiting for you at home starts to feel a little different. Yeah, it feels a lot different. And so by this time, my boy was born um, and we were on like the warp tour. Oh. And we got like three or four weeks of the warp tour, that, and we I mean, were that'll, a, that'll put any band that'll that'll close I mean, any e- group. <laughs> yeah, even like seasoned vets, you know, yeah. and bands. I mean, I guess we were seasoned at that point, but sure, sure, we were van and trailering it, and um, making a little bit of money. Yeah, and I was just like, "Yo, man, this is." You know, and then the writing's on the wall, but you never want to see it, right? Or right. you don't want to think that like it's not working, but all the signs are just glaring that it's not working. Yeah. Um, and so eventually we're just like, okay, we got it. Let's pull this down as gracefully as we can. Mm-hmm. And I remember the last, excuse me, the last, it's probably about a year and a half. We toured to get ourselves out of debt. We paid back everybody we owed money to. Oh, wow. There's, we, I, and when I say everybody, we paid every, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but I don't think so. We paid back everybody huh. we, we owed money to. And was Merch, that label, was, EVR, huh. um, other local teen, local t shirt, screen print. We paid everybody back. Was wow. that just like a personal thing? Like we feel like we got to just tie up all these loose ends before well, we shut it down? Or I mean, we sang about it. And we tried to live that way. We tried to like be those types of dudes. Yeah, um, sure. And it was like, okay, well, we've been ripped off so many times. We know how that feels. Let's not do that to people that have been good to our band or yeah. good to us as people. Um so again, you know, moral decision, business decision, I, you know, I don't know, man, but we did it. And then, you know, when we finally stopped playing, we were all on good terms. Nobody was like on drugs, strung out, hating each other. It was none of that. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it just came to an end, man. Yeah. Well, and, let's, let's go a little sunnier, Chris. Yeah. I have, so I have a weird memory in my head. Okay. Uh oh. Okay. Do you know how sometimes you can like, I have some memories in my head that they're so old and I've either retold the story or seen so many movies and I, like, I don't even know if they're real or not anymore, (laughs) you know? Um, and I have one with you that I know I've retold through the years and I, I need you to corroborate it one way or the other. Cause for some reason it's like a weird thing in my head. Okay. And it's that I might've been the first or second time you came up to New Jersey Okay. Matt had this kind of weird apartment in a, you know, apartment complex in Piscataway, yep. New Jersey. Yep. Um, and we were hanging out after the show. Yep. And you were in the bathroom, I believe with Dave. Okay. And I <laughs> vaguely remember you two showering together to save water. Yeah, that sounds right. That's the thing. So you guys did. Yeah, we did that. that. Yeah, okay. you, you remember? Like, it just seemed like, <laughs> like getting naked was funny when you're in your twenties. Yeah, you know, and like try, sure. And yeah, so we would do that. It's like let's just let's get in there and save water, and like it'll be funny, and we'll make people laugh. And okay, that was it. Yeah, oh, that, I'm that definitely so happened. Glad that's we true. did that a lot of places, man. Okay, I'm I glad know what that true. was all about. Yeah, it was true. And that kind of leads into something else. So oh, one no. of the things I, and I don't know why this memory sticks out to me, is like, I guess I'd already had a conversation with you at the time and I knew you had gone 
to like a military college. I did. And I noticed like, you know, I'm like 16. So I'm taking this all in and probably all the wrong ways. And (laughs) you two are in the bathroom and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Never seen that. Sure. And then I look at your duffel bag or like whatever bag you had with you. Yeah, a blue duffel bag. And I noticed that like a towel and clothes were kind of like folded. Yeah. In a very meticulous way. Yeah. And I was like, this is an interesting person. That's I'm me. like I'm like to to have sort of the looseness to mm-hmm. be doing what you're doing and kind of having enough of a subversive mentality to do that. Yeah. But also having this really like buttoned up, like part of your nature to keep it meticulous <laughs> and keep it kind of neat and stuff like yeah. that. I just always found it really interesting. Yeah. Really. It drives my wife crazy all these years later too. Like I don't, don't you know, like I don't leave the house without making my bed and cleaning okay. my, and cleaning my place up before I leave. Like right. if, if we go on vacation, I wash all the bed sheets. I clean the floors. I vacuum the rugs. I wipe everything down. Huh? Oh yeah, without and you a just doubt. have to. You have to. Oh, how could you leave without it? Yeah. <laughs> what happens if you do leave without it? I don't. You don't. No, it'll just bo- it'll just bother me the whole way. Wow. Yeah. So, and my wife is a clean, well put together, thoughtful person. But I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, your shoes are um still on the step. She's like, yeah, I know, I put them there. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll just put them up for you. She's like, no, <laughs> leave them there. No, it's fine. I'll put them up for you. No problem. <laughs> Yeah, I'm driving my people. Yeah, if you interviewed my wife, my boy, and my daughter, for all the great qualities I have, they would probably name those uh, <laughs> those obsessive compulsive uh, qualities that I also possess. Hmm. I mean, do you think that same nature is part of like? I mean, you've been very successful in everything you've done. I mean, do you think it's like you know part of part of your nature? Well, do you have a very kind of internally driven sort of thing like that? Yeah. And sometimes I wish it was like for more productive things. Right. So you said (laughs) I've been successful and and I appreciate that. And and that's nice. Um, you know, moderately so in a lot of things, but like, I, I, I wish my little nuances and, and, um, peculiarities were, would do different things versus just like having a really clean, like wood, you know, floor at the house or like the kitchen is spotless or my yards put together. Like I'm sure there's better things I could be putting my time into, but that's just like the way we were raised, man. I mean, my Mm. mom was real strict and like, you know, just the house was cleaned up in the kitchen. And, and so I still carry that with me now. Like, I mean, just, putting stuff away, washing dishes. I drive the kids crazy because like, you know, I mean, they're grown now, but when they were little, like, you know, going behind them, putting stuff away, I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm losing my mind. I'm making them crazy. (laughs) So, but I can't help it, man. You know, we, we are the way we are. Right. If you, and then, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I I think there's probably more um, meaningful things I could be focusing on and putting my time into. And that's something that I, that's like always on my list of things to do, like doing something that advances someone else or mm. uh, helps improve someone else's station more so than my own. So I, I, I do, there are some things that I do, um, you know, that, that aren't just about me and cleaning, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm probably <laughs> focusing on that too much, 
But um, yeah, in general, I think it's something that drives me for sure. Well, it sounds like your family, your kids have grown up in a very clean house. They have, without a doubt. And it's probably (laughs) driven them crazy. So, I mean, another part of that nature with you is like, you know, so much of, uh, you know, the progressive stuff that comes in the hardcore and punk scene over the years is always, uh, you know, from the old guard and the tougher side of hardcore, it's always deemed like, whiny and like you know we like it the old way um and you know coming from your background i always thought it was fascinating because i can imagine you know growing up where you did going to school where you did you're a lot around a lot of like machismo (laughs) you know you're around like military guys and like a lot of this you know very very different lifestyle stuff than what's presented in hardcore and punk a lot of the time. So, you know, when you're coming out of that, did you, like when you're hearing some of that stuff, are you more coming from the place like, oh, wow, this is kind of whiny? Or is it like that shit is so macho that like, uh, I guess the question I'm asking is like, how did you reconcile the two things while you were like, sort of actively going through it at the same time? Because I know it had to be so different. Yeah. You're you talking about like the whining, like complaining about what's going on in the world or what's going on in punk kind of thing or what, like... Yeah. I mean, I even, I'll, I'll even say it to, to take you off the shelf a little bit because mm-hmm. I've even found it in my life where like, you know, even though I grew up punk and hardcore, I grew up, you know, super liberal, very progressive with my politics and the way sure. I feel... I grew up working class, you know, and I've had to work like really hard. I know to get fucking everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but a large portion of the people I've shared this scene with floating by on parents' paychecks. You know what I mean? Like, well, kind of complaining about shit that like, you don't even fucking get it. Like, don't, you're not, you know, don't complain. And I've even had to reconcile with it. And I haven't had, any sense of like military or, you know, Southern upbringing. So, (laughs) so that's where I kind of wonder about it. Yeah. Well, okay. So that makes, so yeah, I mean, like there were some like really popular bands from your state in particular. Mm -hmm. And I remember as much as the kids loved them, they also hated them because there was this rumor or true story or whatever that like the parents were like bankrolling the band's, you know, mm-hmm. van and trailer and their gear and all that. Like, wh- yeah. Whatever. Okay. It, like I, discredit him. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the whining part, like the, in a weird way that always bothered me, like you like the band, but yet you question the things they have because of something you heard. Right. But you love the band. Everyone's singing along so what's so bad about them having a nice van and trailer? Because like, right, when when right. you were coming up, when I was coming up, like a van and trailer was a big deal and you would see the oh, bands yeah. with the nice. So the whining part always bothered me because I was like, well, do it yourself or work yeah. hard to get it done yourself. But if someone's getting, yeah, I don't know, man. I remember those conversations early on about this particular band from New Jersey that the kids love, but I think they love to hate them as much as they love to sing along to Are we talking about Saves the Day? 
one of those bands from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) But don't you remember like, yeah, they just, they like, they love them, but then they love to hate them as well, which I just thought was so strange. Like, why? Right. Not really rooted in reality. No, or something they heard. And this, you know, this was all, I guess, at the birth of the internet and all those things that were popping up on the internet and I don't know. I just remember being so annoyed by that. Like, are you really this upset with the band? <laughs> right. Is it even true that they're, you know, yeah. I don't know. Are just, you just I, mad at your own dad? Are right you just now? mad at yeah. your own dad? That's right. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and you're taking it out on the band. But I remember getting mad at those kids too, just being like, yo, what? Really? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, but that, but because we were dealing with, like you said, just working class and having to do it on your own. We have to, like, how do you have time to be mad at another band? Mm. Like, do you have that much free time on your hands? I did. I had enough free time when I was younger to feel a certain way. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, but yeah, at that time you were a straight up teenager though, right? I mean, you were young. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I was. So by that time we were traveling, touring a little bit and I don't know, I don't think I really answered your question, but it's funny you say that because I remember getting angry at the whining and the complainers yeah like what are you complaining do is it then figure it out and do something to make it better for you or i don't know were you ever at a show you know like a local show where a couple like hardcore kids or punk kids were like trying to act tough or fight each other or something and you kind of in your head you were like i just hung out with like 20 people who could just kill all of you <laughs> in like a second you know, like, like, was there this idea that like, yeah. like the yeah. world you came from was like a little like tougher or knew something that these kids didn't know? Yeah. And I'm always like, yo, we're in Columbia, South Carolina, dude, just relax. Like, what are you guys so upset about? Like, just right. stop, stop. Just you go over here. You go over here. Like we always really, I mean, we really did try to like stop the, stop people from fighting and all that stupid stuff. And we're like, yo, man. Just relax. We're, you're yeah. in South Carolina, dude. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of South Carolina, I came up with something for you. Okay. Okay. So to me, you're like the king of Columbia, you know? You, wow. Like I said, you and Hootie. Darius Rucker, yeah. Yeah, even though I've never met him. It's okay. You know, seems like a nice guy. guy. I'm sure I hear he's met a great him, right? I, I've said hi to him a couple of times. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm shocked that you two have never had lunch. I figured never had. No, he's big time, man. We've done shows for them, but I mean, you know, he's big time. Yeah. So I came up with a little quiz for you. Okay. A Columbia, South Carolina quiz. Ooh. All right. All right. And I feel like I have what? One, two, three, four. I have like five or six questions. I feel like if you get half of these, I'm going to consider you legit. Okay. Legit. Yep. All right. So Columbia quiz. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Why is it nicknamed the Soda City? Cola, Columbia. Boom. One for one. So the nickname comes from an old abbreviation of Columbia to Cola. Yep. Had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the people of Columbia drinking or producing soda. No, we, we don't we didn't produce any sodas here. No. Nope. North Carolina <laughs> okay. got most of that. Okay. So it's just an abbreviation. Good. Yep. One of one. All right. Okay. I hope this doesn't ruffle any feathers, but it's a good uh, question. Sorry. Which Union general entered in 1786 and burnt two thirds of the city? Sherman, but it wasn't 1786. It was not. No, it would. Uh, it would have been later because the Civil War was 1861. Oh, so I think you're. I um, 
Oh, I don't know Hold where on. I got that that date from, but yeah. Well, that would have been that would have been um, right after the Revolutionary War. Let's see. Oh yeah, the it was Sherman, <laughs> William Tecumseh Sherman. Yeah, it was Tecumseh Sherman's right. March. Well, even though I fucked up the date, it's okay. It, that that was, and you know, he blamed it. Apparently, he says that he never ordered the city burnt, but it was very windy. <laughs> he literally said that he said it was very windy yeah. and they like lit some cotton ball cotton bales and and it just like spread around that 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 story doesn't seem right to it me. does no and that would have been sherman like, yeah he was coming sherman sherman he was coming uh that would have been like 1864 or five when he was burning the city yeah, I don't know where I got that 86. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. All right, well, you're two of two anyway. Let's go. Now, which unique bug exists in only half a dozen places in the world, Congaree National Park being one of them? <sighs> the cockroach or the tick? Palmetto no. Cicada? Congaree National Park. I don't I don't know that answer. So apparently synchronous fireflies. Oh, which is the name of the baseball team, the fireflies. That's right. The fireflies, okay. which are fireflies uh-huh. that light up at the same time. Yes, they do. Uh are so apparently Congaree National Park is one of six places in the world that has synchronous fireflies. I believe it. That's pretty cool. I didn't So you've seen them. these guys? These these yeah, fireflies my that light up? Have, at... I have my, yeah, they're in my backyard too. They don't How do cool it. is that? Does it just look like a light show, like a rave? We used to collect them and put them in jars. I know. I feel bad about that. I when used they to die. smear yeah. I used to smear their little butts just yeah. to see like I know it. See the little highlighter. I know. <laughs> All right. So speak uh I think we just celebrated this today, so it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh well, maybe not funny. Colombia was famously named after Christopher Columbus. Yes. Bit of a problem maybe these days. Yeah. Maybe you'll be uh, indigenous peoples. That's what, I, that's what I celebrated today. Me too. Me Good. too. But did you know that Colombia won in a highly contested public vote over the name of the city and it only won 11 to 7 over what name? Wow. So it was a vote between Colombia or... Yeah, and, and you just squeaked this other one out. And it's kind of... The hint I'll give you is that it's sort of ironic, considering. Like Whiteville or something? <laughs> Washington. Washington. Oh, It wow. was almost Washington, South Carolina. Was it really? Yeah. It only, only lost I by never, three votes. I, I had no idea. Good. I'm glad I got Dang. to drop, drop some right. knowledge on you here. Jeez, I'm two for four. Keep going. All right. In what year was the University of South Carolina founded? Uh, I should know this. Eight seventeen. Dang it! I've seen it on my daughters. I pay the bill. Um, oh, she got your daughter's a gamecock. She is a gamecock. Oh, nice. Um, oh, jeez. Seventeen ninety two. It's so close, and you're probably like. I bet somebody 18, opened part of the school in that time. 1802, 1801. Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. 1801. You got, got it. it. Yeah, that okay. one's good. I knew right. I'd seen it like on a um, a folder or a bill or something like that. So we're going to leave it here, three-fifths, because the last, the last question had something to do about the Columbia Marionette Theater mm. being the only freestanding theater in the nation 
devoted entirely to marionette arts. But <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't going to stump you on a marionette question. I you want to hear something? Just, just okay. not fair. So guess where my wife used to take her kids on a field trip when they could do field trips? Oh, go on. The Columbia Marionette Theater? The Marionette Theater. I've been <laughs> oh. there as a chaperone. You've been? I have been, yes. Oh, I love that. And those things are scary to me too. Are they? Yeah, I think they're creepy. Real creepy. Just walking around on the strings? Did you have like yeah. a bad experience with... No, but I just have always on. thought they were scary and like we... Her first grade class, they would go there and they got a behind the scenes tour and they got a show. Um, and I was a chaperone one or two times and I've been to that theater. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you pass. Yay. And I bet, honestly, I think, I don't think Darius Rucker would have gotten three out of five. No, no, no. He couldn't have got all those answers. No way. No way. No so way. So uh, I'm going to continue my quest to make you the mayor. What what would happen if someone really approached you, right? Mm-hmm. S- someone in the city. Yeah. It's like, Chris, you know, you're a standing member of this community. We want to put the weight of this behind you. <laughs> Run for mayor. Would you do it? No. Never? No. Can you imagine that yes. kind of oh gosh. That just seems like it'd be terrible. I don't oh, know this- why pe- I don't know why people would go into politics. I just don't understand it. I don't have that drive, that desire, but just seems like it would be terrible. The state house would be so clean. It would be clean. <laughs> it actually be very clean. Well put together. It is though, actually. Yeah, that place is awesome. <laughs> the lawn, everything. That place is immaculate. <laughs> do you do the lawn at your house? Your lawn man? Well, my boy is now taking it over, but yeah, we oh, do it together. We do it together. He does a great job. He does a very good job. Oh, I hope to make that happen one day. Yeah. Well, you guys were going to come down when Matt was still living here mm-hmm. and we had some big plans and then, you know, it, it didn't happen. So maybe we can put that on the docket for next time. The boys back up, boys back up in Jersey. I so speaking know. of Matt, of course, I had to hit up Matt before we got on the horn here. Okay. Just to be like, you know, you know, his, his memory, not yeah. always the best. Not these great. Days. Not but great. I was like, listen, you got to give me something about Chris. I'm like, let's get deep here. Like, what are we going to do? You know? So <laughs> Matt, he did have a question for you, which was funny. Okay. And I don't know what, why he thought That's of it. All right. I love it. He him. was wondering when you started teaching, mm-hmm. did you have to hide your tattoos and try to play it straight in the schools you were in? I did. I used to wear long sleeve shirts all the time. What would have would would have been an actual like? Because you taught not in public school, right? I taught public school one year, and then I taught at alternative school for eight years. Okay. No, I was just because I was 21. I was 21, 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm like, yo, this is how an adult's supposed to be. And they can't, <laughs> right. I just, I was a kid, man. And so I was wearing long sleeve shirt. I was, I wore a long sleeve shirt and a tie. So every, no one told you you had to do that. You no, were just no. Making sure you were no, respectable. And I, have a fr- I have a friend of mine now who's an administrator at a middle school and he's fully tatted and he was a coach for like one of, I think it was a football coach, not the head coach, but a football coach. And now he's an administrator and he's like, yo, this is who I am. I've been at it this long. I'm good at what I do. And this is who I am. And he just, he just, I don't think he flaunts them, but he doesn't try to cover them anymore, which I think is great. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't matter. I, I just read an article or uh, the band pup shared an article about a teacher in Canada, who's a massive Iron Maiden fan. Nice. Who's actually 
being put through a lot of shit right now because of the, you know, Satanistic tendencies of Iron Maiden and, and, like, and you her know, being a fan and blah, blah, me, blah. Oh, come on. Dude, who doesn't like Iron Maiden? But I mean, you know, my wife's, this is her 20th year teaching first grade. Wow. Uh, she's got her nose pierced and she has a couple tattoos, but they're mostly hidden. And there's teachers that are quitting left and right because not only just with COVID and the pandemic, how crazy that was, but like just the most thankless job, you know, and just the hours and just, oh my gosh. Bureaucracy. Oh, it's terrible, man. So yeah, yeah, people want to give teachers, give me a, give me a break, man. You know, we need, there's not enough good teachers that still want to be in the game. There's a lot of good teachers, but we don't need to give them any obstacles or any hurdles to deter them uh, from staying in the profession. Yeah. Certainly not a tattoo or a piercing, you know? Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. There what a go. fucking tough job it is to be. Able oh to man. She, I just see her grind just... to public school, man. She's been at it 20 years, dude. And it's just gotten harder and harder. And she's noticed a real change since the pan, you know, because this will be essentially two years so her first graders, you know, so all of kindergarten, they were virtual. Right. And then a lot of her first graders did partial virtual. So she like on the playground or like, you know, doing mm. certain like they just it's it's just a different skill set that, that, you know, from being at home and not being wow. socialized. Like it's it, it's definitely been a change, man. So she's she's really visibly noticing like kids being a little more. What, like socially inept? Yes, yes. Like playing on the playground together, uh, climbing a slide, right? working independently in the classroom, pairing up with a buddy, just like, you know, I mean, they're little. It's not their fault. This is just how they've been having to try to live during this whole thing and how how different families have adapted. But she's seeing a real change in, you know, how the kids are in the classroom. It's fascinating. I wonder. It's wild, man. Have you? Have what's your thoughts? Do you think this is something that uh, will, like, you know, as far as that stuff goes, will it rebound back to zero, or do you think it's It's, like permanently altered? I don't know, man. We go in cycles, right? So, permanent. I don't know if it's permanently altered. Um, I think just like we've seen how social media has changed our behavior and the way we interact with people and how it's, you know, you see something enough and you start to believe that's real or that everybody's like this or everybody's doing it. Um, I'm sure there are some changes. I don't think we're permanently, uh, I don't think that it's, we can't come back from it and get back to kids interacting normally again. I I don't think that, I think it comes back around. Good. I hope so. Uh, I have any indication. My boy just started kindergarten. Nice. And he is, Social butterfly. That's well. Look at his daddy. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess the the kids can have the gift. As I tell my wife, I'm like, listen, he's handsome because of you. Yeah, and he's gonna learn how to spit from me. You know what I'm saying? Kids can have a rap, and he's gonna have your looks. I'm like, this is dangerous. You know? Yeah, it's like my kids. They got my wife's brains, and they got my quick wit. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) The total package, man. So. Speaking of the modern times now, tell me about Furnace Fest. You're back. How was the show? How has everything been? It was dope. 
It yeah. was dope. Yeah. And I, 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 full confession, I didn't want to do it. You didn't. And you were nah, like pushed no, into it. No desire. No desire. So who kind of who was really the other dudes you to wanted do to it? do it? Scott really wanted to do it. Okay. And John and Dave, uh, John and Jeremy really wanted to do it. And David was like, "Yo, if you want to do it, I'll do it." I said, well, cool. "If you want to do it, I'll do it." <laughs> no, and no hard feelings. Like I just, you know, I just it was a part of my life. I was just done with. Didn't yeah. care anything about it. I'm so glad I did it. Ah. Had a great time. Um, awesome. Hanging out with those guys again was just great. Um, you know, cause Scott would fly down, stay the weekend at my house. We would practice. We would all eat. He would fly home. Scott, New Jersey native. No, New Jersey. Well, not a New Jersey native, a New Jersey well, transplant. Yes. Transplant. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But he's been there a long time now, man. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. And it was kind of sad. The third, so we, he came down, he did, he did all the traveling for this thing. Right. He put in a lot of work. Um, the Thursday night before Furnace Fest, we had our last practice. And as we were packing up, uh, someone said, man, this is kind of a bummer. No. This will be the last time we have a reason to get together and do this until we do this again. Right. But you just take it for granted when you're living together, you're touring together, you get on each sure. other's nerves. But like this was just because we hadn't played a show in like I think it was eleven years. Wow. So th- does that also mean it was the first time you had all been in a room together in eleven years as well? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Sure. And so it was such a nice time. So going to Birmingham, like Scott's wife and kids were there. David's wife and kids were there. Uh Jeremy's wife was there. My wife and kids were there. My niece came. We had family. There was just no pressure. It's like, we're not in a band. We're doing this for fun. Like this is a good time. And the Furnace Fest guys were really, really cool. And uh, it was great, man. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, but it was really, really cool. We had a really, really good experience and, uh, I, I was wrong. I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad those guys had the foresight to, you know, nudge me along, which was great. That's so nice to hear. What, it was great, what was man. the, what was the crowd like? Um, I mean, where was it like the but same wild. old parts, the same yeah. old songs that were like the ones that were killing it was yeah, did something man. surprise you that, that maybe had had aged better than you thought or something? Well, I mean, some of these songs are, that we played are 20 years old. Right, yeah. So I was just surprised that uh, we did spend a lot of time practicing because we said if we were going to do it, we didn't want to sound like garbage. And I'm not saying we're a great sounding band or a great band or whatever. And you but guys like, are always super tight live. That was well, definitely, thank you. A, thank definitely you. a stretch thing for sure. Thank you. Um, and so we just, if we did it, we just, we just wanted to sound good, as good as we can sound, which ain't that great, but <laughs> we wanted to sound good. Um, and we played like Glassjaw Close. We were right before Glassjaw. Beloved was right in front of us. It was great, man. I was surprised at how, I mean, the crowd just went off. It was great, man. Like I knew, I knew it was going to be good. And I don't say that arrogantly, but we just, that was a place like we always did well there. We, I think we were one of only a handful of bands that played that festival all three times, you know, in the early two thousands. Right. So we played second to last, taking back Sunday closed the whole thing. Okay. We played, 
uh, just before Glassjaw. And then I think Taking Back Sunday played directly after Glassjaw on a bigger stage outside. Um, it was dope. I mean, like kids were going nuts. I say kids, adults were going <laughs> right, right. nuts, man. And I just was surprised that so many people traveled so far, just said some really nice things. And like, it just wasn't lost on me. Like it, I'm not like a real emotional guy or whatever, but it was, right. it was, it was very cool. It was nice to be remembered. It was nice to have people that stoked. Um, and there was a lot of great bands there. It certainly wasn't just us, but for our 45 minutes, um, you know, and we got ready for it, man. Like some of the dudes had gone back to the gym. Some of the dudes were real serious about, you know, getting back in shape. I mean, David's, he's been in shape. He's an animal. Yeah. He's always um, but, jacked. Yeah. yeah. He's jacked. He's working <laughs> on a half iron man too. Um, Oh, but wow, no, was, really? oh yeah, he's he's an animal. Big guy, um, Steve. Yeah, he's great. Uh, but it was good, man. It was really, really good. We prepared like physically, um, and we prepared uh, as a band, you know, like rehearsing. Yeah, um, it was killer, man. It was great. Did you have any? Uh, you know, were you were you up there singing and and there was people not our age that were into stretch like? Yeah, there were some young folks that were there with their parents, which was dope. Yeah. Um, and my daughter is 20. And so she had seen us when she was a little girl. Yeah, and your your son probably never even remembered seeing us. Never. Stretch, right? No, he was yeah. too young. He never Fuck saw yeah. it. So my daughter was going, you know, she was stage diving and going. Oh, really? She like, took uh, a dive? Like three back no to way. back. That's yeah, awesome. she was going off and so like, how was her form? Like, how would you rate it? You know what? It was Solid? really good. Yeah, she came, pushed off. She the goes monitor. straight, straight forward. No, she turned around. She knew okay. how to land. Like it was great. And wow. then my brother and another dude were making sure she got out. You okay, know, before good. she got yeah. crushed. Right? Right, 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 right. So I'm like, ah, what are you doing? Ah, what are you doing? Yeah. So it was good. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a a little video. It was good. Next step is head walking, dude. Be careful. Yeah, that'll be the next show. <laughs> uh, well, it's really nice to hear. It, it was, was really nice. It was really nice. I was wondering, like, you know, after, you know, you've been grinding through normal dad work life for, yeah. for like a decade now. Yeah, like, a long time. You know, and I've seen a lot of people I know personally that were hardcore kids, were punks, you know, who kind of slipped into middle age and really lost their sense of that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like the ethics, the values behind it, the things mm -hmm. that really like drove us. Mm -hmm. Like when you were just doing this standard dad work life for a decade, like did it take any discipline on your end to keep kind of the spirit alive in that way? Yeah. Yeah, maybe, you know, it definitely didn't feel like something I had to work at because I think um, it's just in us, right? And is maybe that sounds goofy, but like, I still, I mean, like, I still feel like a straight edge hardcore kid, which is seems so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm four, I turned 48 like a week and a half ago. I hear you. I mean, you know, I still looking, feel like a chubby stone stretch Armstrong fan. I know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then like you grew to be like six foot three and all skinny with your beard and everything or your mustache. But no, I like, you know, I still feel that way, man. I, I still, I mean, you know, my knees hurt and like, I don't get up off the floor as fast as I used to, right, but like, right. I still feel like that same stupid kid, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, and it's not, I'm not putting on an act. I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. 
I just still, so seven seconds re-released that crew album. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a good buddy of mine bought me the new album. So it's like a gatefold. It's got like a booklet. It's got all these, like the, all these people saying things about seven seconds and all that. Well, I've got the album I bought in 1983 when I was 12. So I've got Mm. the original and then I've got the new one. And I, like, I don't let anybody touch it. I don't want anybody (laughs) going near it. Like I pull the booklet out and like, I read the booklet and then I put, I haven't even played the album because I don't want to put it on the turntable. I went to Spotify to listen to the album with the new recording because I didn't, but I mean, my records are still very important. It's so silly, but it's like, and I'm not doing that for any other reason other than that's just, that's who we are, man. Yeah. Just makes you feel good. Can't take the kid out of it. No, it's no, no, it's not. It's not. Okay. I mean, listen, fuck it, man. Like the types of driving forces that men our age find to fuel themselves through this is often awful. I think, you know what I mean? So so. if someone tells me that, you know, they're at their own homes obsessing over a great sounding album (laughs) instead of buying a fucking boat, uh, or I have a boat. You know, hey, wait, wait, wait. I have a boat too. <laughs> well, but, but you didn't buy it for that reason. That's no, no, so, that's right. You know, but I, I don't know. I moved out to the fucking suburbs a year ago and I'm like, sell out. I'm astonished, honestly, by the things people spend their time and money on in middle age. It makes no yeah, fucking sense to me. It's weird. Me Seems me wasteful. Yeah. And I don't really get it and connect with it. So I, I, much more empathize with you. Yeah, I don't side. either. But 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 then again, did you ever think and we we've shared these photos and videos before like I mean, did you ever think you'd be scrambling eggs and making avocados and pancakes for two humans that you helped create and you were solely responsible for their well-being, dietary, mental safe keeping. I mean, that's just a crazy concept too, right? Yeah. So we have grown up but still care about seven seconds album. Like it's right. It's the best. We're the best. We're the best. (laughs) We're the best. We are the best. No doubt, man. (laughs) It's great though. And I, it's not lost on me. I got a lot of really good friends and like on the weekend, they can't wait to go see the Gamecocks play football. Sure. And they go to a big barbecue and then they tailgate and I could care less about any of that. Doesn't make it wrong. No. But that's just where they, that's what they like to do. And this is different what we like to do, you know? I, yeah, my, my wife, we just had something a couple of weeks ago. We were making Sunday plans. And uh, one of the other, you know, couples involved in these plans, the the wife wrote to my wife saying basically like, oh, well, that's that's football Sunday. So I got to see like if, if he can yeah. come or not. Oh, and she, yeah. She, and she was just like, yo, thank you for like not being that or me not having to deal with that. <laughs> well, um, and see, and like, see no problem. Here. I like football, but like the idea of pissing away an entire Sunday. Oh yeah, and see yeah. down here it's Saturday, right? Because SEC, oh, like right. it's big yeah. football. I mean, it's Saturday big. day, it's big, man. Yeah, and you're what Giants fan? Are you still a Giants fan? Or is that Matt? 
I, no, I'm a I'm a big Giants fan, but I Giants mean it's, okay. it's really easy to not care too much about. Yeah, them right I know. I know. They, they're making it. They're making it real easy to not yeah, care yeah. that much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't invest too much in it. I get it. No, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I got over that a long time ago. You know, I'm a net season ticket holder. I'm a big sports fan, but like, I know, like, big the last thing I'll ever let sports do to me is make me mad. You know, I truly value this as entertainment. And if it is no longer entertainment to me, I no longer want anything to do with it. Like, okay, so going back to. Didn't you have like a little stint with Dan Patrick or you were on the show or like something, right? Uh, Dan, I, I, not Dan Patrick. Um, we have had some weird ties into like sports. Because he would play Gaslight Anthem stuff. He played Gaslight, yeah. And, but then you had something sports related, didn't you? Or am I making that up? Well, I have a podcast about sports. I, I know, but I. Uh, why am I thinking Dan Pat? Maybe I'm just thinking. I think maybe I'm thinking I heard the Gaslight Anthem on Dan, but maybe that's what it is. I you don't. did hear. Well, the the guy who's one of the producers at Dan Patrick's show is a guy named Seaton who is cousins with the Hasselbrinks of South Amboy, who are some very oh, very. Lord classic hardcore metal central jersey dudes that i know very well so once we made that connection i I think he's uh warm to the cost maybe that's what it is because yeah they would have that hate breed stat of the day stat of the day yeah it's totally that dude that dude see and he's like an old jersey hardcore kid. that's so cool cool. man yeah Yeah. because i would we listen to that at work sometimes my boss is a We'll put it on and he'll do like bad religion and then he'll do that stat of the day. And then that's, that's where I heard you guys. Okay. That's what it was. I think the coolest thing for me is that, uh, the, the New Jersey devils play, play a gaslight song when they score a goal. Do they really? Yeah. So we're the goal song, which is that's pretty dope. Now it's the same song every time. It is. Yeah. It's the chorus of the, the song. How. I had no idea, but I and I didn't even know until you said score a goal. The Devils are a hockey team. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. They are the Diablos. Thank you. We 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 don't say the Devils' name down here. Diablo. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. My fault. What do you call him instead? Uh, the bad man. The bad man. <laughs> he who may not be said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right, Chris, as much as I could talk to you, I know, you know for we've been like talking next... an hour and 22 minutes. Jeez, I'm sorry, this is how... man. No, no, I'm this sorry. is going off track, baby. This is how it rolls. It's dope. It's dope. And Brad said very little after this thing got started. Is that his role? He's the tech guy. I think when Brad, when Brad knows that like one of my buds is on. Yeah. 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 I, just I think stand out of the way. He just, yeah, he just stays away. I wish he talked more. I do. Well, I tell him I, I, to all the time. He's, so, he's a smart guy. He's funny. He doesn't say shit. He, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's probably that's probably the best smart, funny guy. The one that doesn't have to run his mouth all the time. Well, like then maybe don't be a fucking podcast host. You know? <laughs> well, that's, okay. Touche. Yeah, I mean, Touche. So as I was scrolling through um, your Instagram um, going off track, there's a lot of really good guests on here where you... Did, was I just filling a spot from someone else who pulled out last minute or something? <laughs> no, I got the, I'll honestly, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Is like, cause we talked about this like a year ago and I was like, I would comment on the Instagram asking right. why I could never get on, obviously and, joking. And I was kind of concerned, honestly, when I started doing this show about like, 
oh, I got to like grow My this friends show. Are gonna I got to get on. Yeah. or or more like no one wants to hear like me and Chris talk about fucking pancakes for like nine yeah. minutes. Like you I've got to go do. get like. <laughs> and honestly, as time goes on and we do this more, I'm finding that the ones with people I know and have history with like are a lot more fun and a lot more rich. And well, there's just so much context there and there's so much just like uh, just shared enthusiasm to talk yeah. about. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, I listened. So I listened to your podcast or y'all's podcast. And as I was going into it, I was like, man, I just I think it's just the self-deprecating nature that I possess. Like, I, I was like, man, I hope I just don't sound like a fool the entire time <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> no, definitely not. And maybe and- I did. I don't know. No, and you, I, I don't know. And I've always thought, honestly, in in our world, mm-hmm. you have a very unique perspective. You know what I well, mean? Like, not everybody's from where you're from. That's true. Has the background, and even got into the work you did now. You know, like yeah. where you've gotten into the other side of the business. Sure, so, sure. So don't, don't, don't feel, don't have imposter syndrome. I have it. I have a show on Friday. My first show in like Mercy Union. I saw the post, and I have so much imposter syndrome, Chris. Like I'm like, <laughs> why nervous? is my chubby dad body not- going to pretend to be like a musician right no, now? Like, it doesn't, but you're not chubby. You're tall and lean. Right you used to, to be chubby when you were a teenager. I'm very nervous, Chris. I don't. I'm, You'll do I'm not great. Feeling confident. You're yet. a great, tr- and you get to hide behind the drums all night. It's true. It's true. You'll I guess do I'll great. Just, I'll put the hair down. I'll go cousin it style. Yeah, yeah. you'll you'll do great. Now, when your your kids are probably too young to come to the show. This one, yeah, they can't okay. go to like the crossroads at, at eleven o'clock at night. Uh, you know, I got you. That's that's that too one. late for me, man. Yo, one of the things with Furnace Fest when we were talking to Chad about doing it, I said, uh, yeah, hey, some of the guys have younger kids, so we want to be in that like eight thirty, eight forty five slot. <laughs> Secretly, that was as much that. for myself as it was for the kids. Yeah, you're like <laughs> by by ten. I'm usually dude. I got a tea. I'm winding down. Yeah. Heck yeah! It was for the kid. We we always say we've been doing it for the kids, right? Young kids, old kids, all. Dude, when I when I left for those tours in eighteen and nineteen, like the Gaslight Mercy Union tours, mm-hmm. that's when my kids were like babies, and yeah. So jumping from you know, straight to baby land to like, mm-hmm. Hey, you get a gig where you start at like 1130 oh, at night. Brutal. Fucking brutal. You know, brutal. like it was pretty rough. Man. Does it really start? Does the gig start that late? It can. Yeah. I mean like, wow. like mercy union was doing like, you know, Euro fucking squat shows and stuff. You know, those like oh, all of a sudden you're headlining for a, for a Ugh. fucking soccer match, you know, yeah, <laughs> weird shit like that. So <laughs> it's too late, man. It's way too late. Too late. Yeah. And that's, I was literally playing those gaslight shows in 19 with iced coffee on stage. I was sipping through the whole show. Sip just to stay awake. That's it. Get a little caffeine buzz. Well, I wish you well. Is the show this weekend? Yeah, it's on Friday. Nice. Well, at least you got. Well, you don't really get a Saturday off with kids your age. No, of course not. No, but guess who not. we're playing with? Uh, I s- yeah, Michael Imperioli from the Surprise. I, so what's what's that all about? He's got a group. Apparently, he's he's a real arty dude. He's yes, had this band that. for a while, and they're like kind of a seventies New York club rock kind of band. They're that's, good. That's and, pretty cool, uh, man. And my singer Jared who, you know, uh, has a small record label had caught wind that they had an album mm-hmm. and literally he's a giant Sopranos fan and just cold called yeah. them being like, Hey, I'll put out your record. And they were down with it. 
No so, way. So yeah, he put out he's putting out the Zopa record, which is which is Christopher Moltisanti's album. Speaking of, um I have not heard great reviews about that new movie. So last I heard it's a must watch, yeah. but it's all over the place. I tried to see it. My my wife and I had Italian date night. Nice. So I cut practice a little short. I went to the supermarket. I bought a bunch of food. I made some delicious food. Man, a gulp. We got I made I made homemade garlic bread. I Gravy. made stuffed portobello mushrooms. Nice. I made a, a fake meat and asparagus Oof, pasta with some all. pesto. Very nice. nice. Very, Very nice. nice. Yeah. And uh and then me me and grandma over here go to fucking set it up. We download like Warner, we download HBO Max. We're doing this shit for like 20 minutes and we still can't watch it. Oh. We gave up and we still <laughs> haven't seen it because we can't figure out how to watch it. Yeah, but it's coming out in theaters though too, right? Yeah, we're just going to have to go see it now, old school. Yeah, because yeah, we can't I, figure I, it out. We can't sort it. <laughs> so like, people are like, you got to watch it, but there's always like a but that follows it. I'm like, ah. I have low expectations, so I'm not going to be offended. That's either all right. Way. You're looking at someone who enjoys Anchorman 2, Weekend at Bernie's 2. Sure. Okay. Like, you know. I got you. I just, got you. It's the same with sports, you know, like just, just have some fun with it. Just, just let yourself be entertained and, you know. It's the best I'll, way to roll through it. I'll sit here and tell you Jar Jar Banks is cool because I just don't <laughs> give a fuck, you know, like enjoy your life. <laughs> enjoy your life. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. Well, this is, uh, this has been great. Thanks for having me on. All right. Love you, Chris. Thanks, buddy. When's the last time you moshed at a hardcore show, Brad? Ever? <laughs> oh, at a hardcore show? Yeah, it would have been like, it would have been maybe, maybe early nineties at the. Have you what? What's the what year was the last time you staged of? Um, oh, that's a really good question. I've in the I'd staged that in the nineties, like. <laughs> like on tour with other bands and stuff. That sure. could be your biography. <laughs> Brad Worrell. I stage dived a little bit. I wasn't in the 90s. really a big stage diver even as a kid, man. No, I don't know. I just thing. felt like I I don't know. I think it was partly like because, you know, either I was in a band or I wanted to be in a band and I felt like I don't know. I separated that from being in the band. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it. What but. do you think is a person's main inspiration to stage dive? <sighs> it's just like the best expression of that fucking madness that you feel in the pit, mm. like in this just like animal sort of, <sighs> I don't know. It's been so a long the, it's been a long time since I really f- wanted to be in a fucking pit. Like since I was a teenager, like you know, and it didn't last long. I I kind of grew out of hardcore fairly quickly. Right. Well, I asked because I mean, you know, when I'm at a show and I'm hearing like hardcore punk music that's making making my blood boil, making the body want to move. Right. Like jumping off a stage doesn't feel like a physical expression of that, you know? That's where it's like 
I do wonder sometimes, are the stage divers attention getters? I mean, I think... How many are just looking to be seen? I think that they think, or that maybe the first stage divers, that it was, you know, it was an expression of trust and we're all in this Ah, together. Right. I think it got corrupted quickly and people, you know lost that but i think that's what it meant that's what has to be what it meant originally was like i trust you guys you're gonna catch me who was the first stage dive (laughs) somebody that wasn't supposed to be on the stage (laughs) this is i I love that chased off by fucking security (laughs) oh look at this there's actually an answer I, i literally went into google and said who was the first person to stage dive and says iggy pop I believe that. Says Iggy Pop is often credited with popularizing stage diving. Initially seen as confrontational and extreme, it's become common at punk and hardcore shows. But you know then, if if this says popularizing stage diving, you know there was some old school hardcore stage divers before Iggy Pop, you know? The ones who say, wait, didn't Jim Morrison stage dive in the Doors uh, movie? Don't give Jim Morrison any credit for anything. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, I bet your little uh, fucking ass didn't look as nice as his in leather pants. <laughs> Whoa. Really, yeah. Benny? Yeah. yeah. Really? Well, why don't you go ahead and A-B that for you me? You lust after Jim Morrison's fat ass in leather Fat? Stop it. He's like Elvis. I still, I still make the contention, and I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this. If the Doors were not from California and they were from England, nobody would say shit, including you. Yeah, because they wouldn't have gotten popular. The, the Brits would have from, known better were, and would have fucking beat them off the They were from California. The they were American and acted that way, which somehow doesn't make it legit. But if you're Keith Richards or fucking uh, Robert Plant or Roger Daltrey, are you kidding me? If Roger Daltrey was from Southern California, (laughs) the Who would be widely mocked. (laughs) Widely, widely mocked. They could just get away with it, with the English thing. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, that's... Something about... <laughs> I'd like please write to me and tell me if I don't even want uh, actually you know what don't write to me because I know what the fuck you're gonna say and it's all gonna be doors haters telling me you hate Jim Morrison. <laughs> so don't even bother writing me. Don't even bother. Stay on my feed. Stay, unless you're pro Morrison. I'm pro Morrison. Okay. Just like I'm pro Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Y'all go same, fuck yourselves, you know? The same person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks to Chris for coming on with us. Yeah, that was very sweet of him. And um, I did really enjoy that. Entertaining episode. You got some socials for Stretch and Chris? So I do. They're uh, Stretch Armstrong 803 is the band's Instagram. And Chris's Instagram is Booyah803, but that's Mm -hmm. a B-O-O-Y-A-A-803. 803 um, Columbia, and, what's up? And then Chris is on Twitter at Chris McLean 803. So as long as you can remember the 803, you're in the right place. I got a lot of love for Columbia. Yeah. A lot of love. Finlay Park. I've spent a lot of time in that town. It's a good town. So yeah. I appreciate it. It is. Sketchy history. Yeah. But good town. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the history, it's a really good town for sure. Well, listen. 
My people were in a, a shtetl in Russia when when that town was fucked up. So, you know, I'll give them a pass. <laughs> it's not their fault anymore. It's not Chris's fault, you know? Uh, but yeah, right. thanks, Chris. And, uh, you know, check them out, follow them, follow us, Going Off Track. Uh, if you want to become a patron of Going Off mm-hmm. Track, go to patreon.com slash track. We have a Thursday night chat where we do a Discord group chat with everybody. Um, Been fun. And hopefully we'll have some more bonus material. We do have a lot of older bonus material up on Patreon. Um, Hopefully getting some more of that going soon. And, uh, you know, leave us a good review on iTunes of any sort. Uh, And if you want to just throw us a tip, you can Venmo us at OffTrack. What is that? Why do you always say of any sort? Like, why do you have like to, a regular sort of? Why do you? Why are you real so honest? Authentic? So against <laughs> the sexually explicit ones? Why? I like, guess I shouldn't worry. I just have this like, I I thought I I have this vision of everybody suddenly uh-huh. taking you seriously and and our iTunes reviews being literally half pornographic. Yes. I, I don't understand why your my goal is your because then somebody, your nightmare. I don't somebody comes around looking for a great like more than music podcast uh, oh. and finds this porno reviews that oh my. might just throw them off. Think of Listen, the kids, Brad. Babe. Think of the Brad, kids. I am. And you know what the kids need? <laughs> they need some fun in their GD lives, you know? <laughs> they need some what you heard, Chris. First graders can't even hang out with each other. I'm fucking promoting sex connectivity (laughs) between humans, skin on skin contact. It's very Uh, important, Brad. You got to milk these beasts. (laughs) I don't know. Get me out of here. It's too late. It's too late. We'll see y'all next week. Do what you got to do. Bye. (laughs)